You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use the promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Luke Stuckmeyer, Ryan Herrera, Cody Del Mendo. Getting you ready for a week against some East Coast teams. We'll talk about last week, uh, the pitching performance of Caleb Killian, Matt Swarmer. We've got a prospects expert. Coming on to join us, Greg Huss, a little bit later on the show. Uh, glad to see Jax on the chat. Everybody joining in. It's an off day. Cubs don't play on Monday, but there is still plenty to talk about today. Uh, let's start. First of all, I just want to know what, what you guys did this weekend. Cody, I know you had your brother out in the bleachers for the first time ever. Yeah. Was his experience authentic? It was out. <laughs> it was authentic. It was, it was the only, well, there are a few good things about Saturday night's game, but that for me, it was the best part of Saturday night was uh, introducing him to the 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 bleachers of Wrigley Field and particularly in left field. Uh, you know, there was two gigantic anaconda cuff snakes. Yeah, a couple sections away from us, and we we're you know people. You know how people are. It was just for him. It was kind of like an eye opening experience. Another set of like a dad and a son were building a, a cup pyramid at one point that one did did not make it as high as the one that we saw was it destroyed as well though yeah it was destroyed very quickly uh, yes all fun is destroyed yeah all fun was destroyed um but uh you know outside of that you know we got a great game and you got to experience the atmosphere of Wrigley Field and Cubs Cardinals rivalry and for a while we were actually like they might actually win this game so you know we got we got our hopes up for you know a good Good hour or two, and then uh, I told him after the game, I was like, "Well, you you've been baptized to being a Cubs fan now because there's been a lot of losing here for a long time." Yeah. So you know, you know, it was it's one of those things, but yeah, it was cool to you know take him to the bleachers for the first time. So did he meet all the usual suspects? Did he meet Bleacher Jeff? <laughs> did he meet my tie guy? Did he meet uh, Ronnie Woo Woo? Did he meet uh, who else would we see out there? Is it Mullet Man? I saw uh, Mullet Man. Mullet we, did, Man? We, we did not meet any of those. Uh, Bleacher Jeff was there, but we weren't over in his section. We were a few sections over. So, and the and the bleachers were packed Saturday night. The Cubs Cardinals Saturday. You you expect yeah. it, even in a doubleheader day. So, uh, no, he didn't meet any of them. But we did. You know, we got to we got to talking with people around us. I bought that giant pretzel that I've talked about when oh, we did that draft, yeah. the North Side Twist. I bought that and brought it into the bleachers. And literally, like, five sets of different people asked me, where did you get that? <laughs> Next thing I know, like, the entire, like, group of people around us, they all had the giant pretzel. <laughs> so, I feel like I introduced the giant pretzel to some people. The Cubs should probably just pay me for Northside Twist? Them. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Look yeah. at you changing yeah. the culture. Yeah. Very bringing the, bringing the giant pretzels out to the bleachers. Mm, Very nice. So, you had the, I mean, first of all, you, you had me at pretzel. Yeah. The experience <laughs> was there. Uh so that's cool. He got to meet everybody. He saw it's a little bit wilder out in the bleachers, yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it would have been funny if you set him up prank-wise and had him take Bleacher Jeff's seat. And then <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Just set him up to oh, take Bleacher Jeff's yes. seat. We didn't get the there curb. early enough. We should have, should have considered that, though. And then that a confrontation right when he arrives to his first <laughs> game of the bleachers. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. But, yeah, didn't, didn't get there early enough. Um, we, uh, you know, the first game, 
me and him watched it at my apartment and then, you know, went and then like I said, we went to second game. He's sixteen, so it's not like I can take him to Murphy's like right, I would right. on a normal uh game that I would go to. But um you know, I, I think I gave him like the experience. He'd been to Wrigley before, but we sat like first base side a few years ago. Bleachers, he was still, bleachers like, are different. He, yeah. Like, it, bleachers are different. And he's, he was a lot younger then, right? It was like three, four years ago. So, And he's 16 now. So, 16 is about the right age to, yeah. to go see the bleachers for the first time. <laughs> I, I want to say for me it was uh, senior ditch day. Did you guys have that in high school? I did. Right? Yeah. Your last yeah. – like, but, you just pick a day where the seniors don't go to class. But we all I, went to the Cubs game. I couldn't do that because I played baseball in high school, and you had to be in – yeah. four or five different periods where you couldn't play a game. And we had, I think it was a playoff game that night. And just like, okay, like none of I think I went to school late, but I was still there for like five of the eight periods. So it wasn't even really a senior ditch day. We saw sucked. senior ditch day. And I, I want to say Vance Law hit a home run for the Cubs playing <laughs> third base. I, that might legend. be, I might be imagining a different game, but I know I went to a Cubs bleacher game for my senior ditch day in high school, circa 1990. Circa nineteen. Circa nineteen. Circa 19. Sure it wasn't like that was that was a year before I was born. I'm trying yep. to think of like an old <laughs> an old timey like name that you could use like Jenkins McGee or something like that was, was on the mound in nineteen forty. Like like Lock St. Brown or John. Lock St. John. Yeah. That, that's a, that's <laughs> you a if you want to move name. it to a more normal. Nor, uh, I think Lars Newbar kind of took over. What a name. That's huh? a that's a name. But Lars you know new bar. two things I want to give the Cardinals credit for. Ryan is having a good name. Newt Bar is one. Yeah. Two is, and I don't ever say nice things about the Cardinals, I do like their powder blue, their old school, like, 80s powder blue uniform for the yeah. road. Yeah. And they should only wear that on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of, I mentioned that to my brother in the bleachers the other night on Saturday. and was like, you want me to say something nice about the Cardinals? It's, I do like, I do enjoy the powder blues. Yeah. I think At the same time, it's just weird. Blues. It Agreed. is it's it, good color on a uniform. Yeah, it is. But it's also weird. Like, their, their uniforms are red. You know, right. They're, they, they no. ca- they're called the Redbirds. I, but it shows me why the Cubs should be wearing those powder blues. Yep. Yeah. Like, it shows me why the V-neck powder blue should be back. Yeah, it's like the powder right. blues in baseball, pinstripe jerseys in basketball. Like, any team that did it looks good. The Illini did it this year. Yeah. Powder yeah, blue. Go. The there Illini baseball team. Yeah. Uh, my weekend, Luke, was spent working. I did a lot of work yeah. this weekend. Um, but actually, I got a bone to pick. You guys got to rant on Friday. I got to rant today because yeah, after the game yesterday, after I got done, went over to Sluggers and, you know, warmed up in the batting cages yeah. because we had supposed to have a softball game tonight. The first right. softball game I was going to be able to play all season, warm up. I You know, I, I'm, I'm hitting good. I'm going on the slow one because it's slow pitch softball. So, you know, I got to just, you know, get my, my hand-eye coordination going with the speed. And I do well. I feel good. I'm, I still got it. And then <laughs> I still got I, and it. And then we get to today, and they cancel the game. Yeah. I'm like, well, what the hell? We well, know what that probably we is. We could have gone and played. The other team probably saw you in the batting yeah, cage probably. and then was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to cancel. Have you seen Herrera taking hacks? We got to get him on an off day. <laughs> they probably rescheduled the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I see Corey has joined uh, on the Ooh, chat. Corey's Rachel, here. by the way, too, from London. But, Shout out to Rachel. Uh, Corey says, what is Yachty's batting average in the powder blue uni since he blocked you? Yeah, I, that's gonna that's gonna take me a while to go research. figure that out. Probably <laughs> zero. Probably. Maybe. All I know is it's two. It's down to two o two. It would go down like all weekend. It would go down, and then in his last at bat, he'd get a hit, and it would peak back up to where it was. So, but last night he didn't have a hit. So he's down to two o two since he blocked me on the gram. Uh, whenever I told him he was wrong that he deserved a or that he didn't deserve a gold glove finalist spot or whatever it was <laughs> it, after the Mickey Mouse season in 2020. It, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Did you notice uh, uh, Corey's profile pic on this chat? No beards. Uh, no, no facial hair at all. No facial hair, yeah. a side profile, a pontificating hand on the chin. Like, yeah. Very nice. I, I don't know where he had that taken, but that seemed very professional. It's like a glamour shot. I bet that's mall, like on maybe. his Bumble account or something. Like that. <laughs> Bumble account. <laughs> <laughs> or Tinder. If, if would you swipe right on Corey Friedman <laughs> on that? I, I don't know. I would swipe, totally swipe right. Is on swiping that right uh, a yes or is that a no? That's a yes. A yes, a yes. is swiping swipe right. right. Yeah. Or would you swipe? We were teaching stucky new Corey things. Friedman. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the Yankee Stadium dugout. Why would you want a photo there? <laughs> you couldn't do it at Wrigley. <laughs> yeah. I guess not. I mean, that's terrible. Uh, so the Cubs are nine games under 500. 
Don't I don't me. want to eliminate any uh, playoff hopes from anybody's mind because I don't want to tell you how to do it. Well, Brendan, Brendan would tell you that they just need to go on a nine-game winning streak. <laughs> yeah, and they're they right back in. They only need to win nine in a row, and they're right back in it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look good, you know. No, um, it's but, not great, Bob. But in, in general, two series against the Brewers and Cardinals, that's about what you expect. Split with the Brewers, two out of five against the Cardinals, but it could have been much better. Oh, it could have been. They could have had nine. They, could have, they were in – the losses that they had, uh, six, the six losses, over, you know, including the White Sox series too. That's six. The six losses they had, they were in. I think four of them were two runs or less. Like they were in pretty much every game. The one really bad game was obviously that Friday when they got smoked and Frank Schwindel was ended up pitching because they didn't want to waste any more bullpen arms. But other than that, they were <laughs> competitive in every game. And I don't think. I mean, I'm not saying they're a playoff team and whatever, but I also don't think their record. I don't think they're as bad as their record shows, especially at this either. point. I think they have a lot of good players that are playing well, and they're just not at the level where they can kind of make up for their own mistakes. So when they're getting thrown out on the base paths or they're you know making errors in the outfit, whatever it is, the team overall just isn't good enough to kind of make up the difference on that. So right. they have to play really good games to be in it, which they did this week, but then obviously you see like, you know, Rafael Ortega getting thrown out at home, you know, that, that, um, you, you add that one run that they could have got later on or something. They're just di- different. I, don't, I didn't want to call them mental errors. There's just different things that happen or, you know, uh, uh, mistakes or whatever that ended up costing them games. Uh, and, you know, not one play will cost you an entire mm-hmm. game, but in the grand scheme of things and those things pile up or, you know, whatever that does end up, that, that's the reason why they ended up, you know, four and five over this last week, but then five and six in that stretch. So, I think I don't think I just don't think they're as bad as nine games under five hundred. They're just again when they do make the mistakes, they can't make up for it. Last night, when the it went to extra innings and Daniel Norris came out there and got Goldschmidt, Arenado, and I want to say Yepes, uh, Yepes, whoever yeah. whoever yeah. was after Arenado. When you send Daniel Norris out there in the tenth inning with a guy on second base because of the Ghost runner rule, or whatever you want to call it, and he gets you a one-two-three inning, and then you fail to score. That sums up how the Cubs managed to lose games this week. Yeah. Because I I was literally thinking in my apartment, I was like, if if they do not score in this bottom of the tenth, they are going to lose the game. And what did they do? They gave up two runs, and and they sent Daniel Norris back out there and. People were mad about that on the internet, and I don't blame people. But at the same time, doubleheader, bullpens tax. Thank God for the off day today. Um, I would have, I wouldn't have mind if they gave Espinosa a shot because he didn't pitch at all over the weekend. But at, in the grand scheme of things, it's like it's hard for me to even be mad at Daniel Norris for giving giving up those runs and then you know not able to you know do anything in the bottom half because it's like the Cardinals gifted them. They gifted them multiple times. And they didn't do anything with it. And that just kind of sums up yeah. how the Cubs have been losing games. Yeah, and then and we so, talked about, like, the, you know, the, the getting bases loaded a couple times and yeah. not getting a single run out of it. Yeah. Like, that, again, it just goes to they're not good enough to, like, they have to take – when they get those opportunities, they have to because – to take advantage. Because we, we see how early in the game they score. They're leading the majors in the first inning – and first inning run scored. Which is wild. Yeah, but then <laughs> as the game goes on, the offense just doesn't – isn't there. Yeah. And then you have – like Daniel Norris, like you said, pitched a great tenth, and it was Nolan Gorman, by the way, Nolan the, Gorman. the strikeout that almost got away from Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Pitched a great tenth, the heart of the order, and then they get, uh, you know, Wilson over to se- over to third on it was a hap grounded out, you know, and got him Cliff over. Cliff Frazier strikes Cliff out. Cliff Frazier strikes out. Uh, Patrick Wisdom gets walked, and then PJ Higgins grounds back up to the pitcher. Right. But it's again, it's just those situations where when they get the opportunities that don't come that often, they have to take advantage, and they don't, and then you see. At the end of the game, when they lose the game, it's like you could t- you can look at a point where they're not where they have the bases loaded and don't get a run and be like that. Obviously, did not help. That may, may not be the sole reason they lost the game, but they need to take advantage of that because that uh, it was not it was clearly not helpful yeah. <laughs> to not get a run of a bases I mean, loaded. Even situation. the ninth inning, they 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 actually score like Higgins comes through big in the eighth inning. You go in the ninth inning with Rowan Wick, and you're like, you know, we've seen him close games before. 
I was a little nervous because I knew he had pitched just the day before. He threw like 30-plus Yeah, pitches. that's on the chat. Somebody yeah. was just asking why was he in there after 40 pitches the night yeah. before. Because of, <laughs> they didn't have anyone else. a long like, week. Yeah. Considering who they had available, Jared he was, was probably your best arm available at that point. And, like, that's just, like, that's just how it works when you have two doubleheaders in one week. Yeah. Two doubleheaders, and Ryan nailed it with their margin for error yeah. because of their roster is very tiny. Like, yeah. they can be in games. They've been in games. They were in most of the games. But there's just that fine line between winning and losing, little plays. But teams don't make all those plays. Good teams yeah. do, but that's because they have more real major league players. Like, so when you've got guys that are bouncing between the minors and the majors and are maybe, you know, some of them might be, you know, 4A players, that's, that's what happens. Like, you don't have the roster you had five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So and that's then, what's going to happen. You're going to yeah. lose the you're going to lose the games that you had a chance to win. Yeah, right. And then you even look at like the ninth inning you mentioned the you know Harrison Bader had that triple, but it looked like, you know, if Head Morrell played it better off the wall, it could, probably could have held him to a double. Perhaps. And then it's a fly out to a shallow fly out to, to right field and Hayward does Bader go on that, try to make it a third? I don't know. But then, you know, Newbar gets a single, but if he's at second base, you got a better shot at getting Bader out at home than you do if he's standing on third and can, can crawl, you know, to home plate. So yeah. it's just little things like that. Like you said, Luke, just the margin for error is small. And when they're not taking advantage of the things they need to take advantage of, you could see it and you could see why they're nine games under 500. Yeah. The ESPN broadcast was not uh, very complimentary of the process the Cubs are going through. And I did sit there and wonder, you know, because I looked at some of the Cardinals players and I was like, who? You know, this guy's good. Where do they get another guy coming up? And I did wonder to myself, like, Cardinals fans or other fans of teams that the Cubs play, what must they think when they see the lineup come out for the Cubs? Like, last year you had Bryant, all these names that people were familiar seeing from the World Series run, and now it's Wilson Contreras and what's that guy's name? Where did... How old is this guy? I mean, th it's weird yeah. for Cub fans. Imagine what it's like for the other team when you play the Cubs. They must just look at the roster and go, what's going on? For sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could talk about that all we want, but I, I, I feel like at the very least when it came to the lineup, the offense did play has yeah. played pretty well throughout this year, the year. But, again, yeah, the ESPN broadcast was brutal, especially at the end when they start, like when they, they gave up the lead – it's five to three, or in the tenth or eleventh inning, and they're talking. To, they start comparing ownership between the Cubs and the Cardinals. I, I, I had to mute it, guys. <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. I had to mute it. Is I, everyone has their own opinions about national broadcasts. I try to give them all a chance, but at the end of the day, it's like we're so used to, you know, Pat and Ron on the radio. You're so used to Boog, or if you're a Sox fan, you're used to Benetti and Stone. Whatever, like. And that's not to say that I don't want to hear negative things about the Cubs, but sometimes it's just like these they, they try to push a little bit of misinformation or just like what they read or whatever, and like they don't they don't include everything. That's just my opinion. That's not to say that these guys aren't good at like their overall jobs, but that sometimes it just comes off to me as like they just they're just saying what they're what they're reading or whatever. And yeah, well they're not know. they certainly don't know as much as, as someone that's Watching in the, the Cubs in the clubhouse day. or they're watching yeah. every single game. They're right. they're going from city to city and they they probably take the night before and maybe a little bit other time to kind of refresh themselves on the game. But right. they're not they're not watching every Cubs game. That's just right. that's just not what's happening. Right. You're right. They're they're sampling but from articles. Like, they're making a couple calls, maybe. Yeah, but that's like to me, it's like. Just like sloppy in a way. Like you you want to talk like it's one game a week. Sunday night. One game a week. They have to be ready for <laughs> one game a week. It's like the NFL. Like with you know, with whoever's doing those games. It's not like those the the people doing the NFL broadcast are do, are covering the same team every week. It is one game a week. And you in my opinion, I just think they should just do a little bit more research. That's all I'm saying. So uh, that's my two cents on the broadcast last night. Let's <laughs> let's do our we like to do on our off days the power rankings. So let's hit that up real quick. All right. Okay. Um, let's start with number five. And again, this isn't like these are the best five players on the team. It's just kind of how they're going right now. Um, number five, 
I put Ian Happ. He's still having a great season. Um, we don't know where that's going to lead, but he continues to produce for the Cubs. And he's been one of the bright spots, certainly in the outfield this season. Still played well in left field yeah, all season. Played well. Keegan Thompson now 6-0, and so we got him at number four. But again, you saw all those starts, and we'll, we'll talk to Greg Huss about it, but these young guys that have come through the system are starting to show up. Obviously, Keegan is the one that has really been highlighted in, and been successful. Uh, Nico Horner. I think Nico's been great. You know, we've, we've, maybe we'll touch on those reports from Bob Nightingale <laughs> about who might be a future shortstop or whatever. And to me, Nico's shown he can play everyday shortstop. Yeah, yeah may, may he, I don't know if he has, like, the range that, like, Javi did. Right. But he, he has played well, and he's made good plays like that. You know, the Jeter-esque throws from, from the hole and stuff like that. And I, we, I mean, There's we not about, really a lot to complain about. Yeah, no, sure. and he's still hitting the ball well. Um, what did they say on ESPN, uh, one of the best fastball hitters in the league or something? Yeah, and he puts the ball in play. I don't think he stri- He didn't strike out, like, the last four or five games that he played. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he's he, he puts the ball in play, play, and that's kind of yeah. all you ask for from a guy like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's – I love what I've seen from Nico. For me, I've already kind of decided in my head personally that I think he's a big piece of the future, but I know it's a small sample size this season, and he's got to stay healthy. But yep. the progress is there, and he's certainly improving it as a player. Wilson Contreras, you know, I don't know how long he's going to be on the team. I hope it's a long time for Cub fans because it's his best season in the majors. Oh, he's he's having an incredible. It's not year. it's not even close. Like he's absolutely an all star. Yeah, he's hitting two seventy six. He's got over nine hundred OPS, which is like by far the best like in catchers. And he's also I mean, he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has in the top two percent of the league with uh, you know uh, or top three percent average exit velocity. His like just his stat cast numbers are great. He. His peripherals are awesome. Far and, like, far and away the best offensive catcher in the league. And sure. he's the leader that, you know, the young <clears throat> players gravitate to, you know. So, mm-hmm. so there's that. Um, and who's our number one? Christopher Morrell. <laughs> I mean, is there anybody more exciting on the Cubs right now than Christopher Morrell? <laughs> Not right now. He's... I mean, five five hits and played three positions in a doubleheader. Yeah, he's been tw- a 20-game on-base streak. Uh, I looked it up. Like, that's, like, tied for 15th longest ever and – the, the longest since like 1989, something like that. Yeah. Uh, like he's just putting together a great run and he might not get on base every time. And it's kind of funny when he doesn't get on base, you're like, damn, he Surprise. didn't get on base. Yeah, like, right? what? Like, what happened yeah. with I mean, Morrell? Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. That and yeah. Just, just like the energy and personality, you know, the positivity that you His... see in off the field in the clubhouse. I mean, he is great at the top of the order. It looks like David Ross really likes him at the top of the order. Um, And you just see how much the veteran guys, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, like how much they all really like Chris Morrell. His his game-tying double uh, Saturday night when the Cubs were down three to two. I mean, that was – out of all the games I've gone to this year, that might have been one of my favorite moments of being at the ballpark because it was – again, the Cubs were coming back. They were down three to one in the game. uh, And he got a big hit in a big moment. And at that time, it was like, look at this kid, like, just kind of, I don't want to say put the team on his back, but, like, yeah. he's hes just continuing to do things that you're not expecting. I know the, the regression is going to come at some point, but maybe he's not. Just, he's maybe just, not. He he's just be doing the outlier, insane you know? stuff. So, it, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do think we need to, you know, like, yes, am I talking myself into it every day that Christopher Morrell is – our Lord and Savior, yes. Do I know that he is, uh, you know, not going to get on base every single game at some point? Yes. So, I'm just enjoying the ride. How about your uh, betting ride as we get ready for our guest? Is uh, I, I hear I heard the little. The yeah. I know he's getting ready. So let's let's take care of a couple ads. How's your betting going? Uh, I took a break this weekend. Oh, good. But, but yeah. if I were to, you know, make some bets, if I had. If I had made bets this weekend, I would have made them on points bet. They're the, they're the best, guys. Uh, and the best way to support CHGO is to, to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. You even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you. Remember that points bet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same-game parlay only with points bet. Got a few games left, the NBA Finals. I think going to game three on Wednesday. 
Uh, so get into that. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same game parlays. And if you didn't know, I don't know how you didn't know, but now online signup is available in <laughs> Illinois. Has been for months. It's awesome. I enjoy it every day except this past weekend. You can actually download the Points Bet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. Every show I say it, if Luke can do it, you can too. It's really that easy if Luke can figure out how to download the Points Bet app and register your account. I have seen him work a cellular, cellular device, a smartphone. It is, it's actually really funny to watch. So if he can do it, so can you. Signing up with the Fast Sportsbook is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds, use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Just remember, I was in the bleachers before you were born. <laughs> That's true, 1990. <laughs> Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I didn't have time, wanted better gut health, more energy, and an optimized immune system. Now I've been on it for a couple months, and I love it. It doesn't taste super healthy. You know, I don't want that gritty, healthy taste. Instead, this is mild, tropical, and I look forward to taking it in the morning. So what is it? One scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. I get a noticeable boost in the morning. I started on an empty stomach and giddy up, there I go. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, you're all good with AG1 and it's less than three bucks a day for all-in-one nutritional insurance. Recommended by professional athletes, has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water. It's that simple. You don't need all those million different pills you have to take or supplements. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five, that's right, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgocubs. Again, athleticgreens.com slash chgocubs to take ownership over your health, pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm telling you, the stuff works. And it makes yeah, you look I love a little it. bit younger. It's made you look a little right? bit younger. That's, right? You guys thought that. You were like, oh, he looks older. Then I walked in, and you were like, hmm. No, really. A <laughs> month later, you're like, what happened with Stucky? And it was like, <laughs> it's no, like, it's the green juice. I'm, I'm drinking the AG1. That's like, who are you? I love you to do put it in the smoothies, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's the right. Smoothie stuff All is right. great. Guest time. You guys ready? Guest time. It's my guy. Greg Huss, you know him on Twitter as at Out of the Vines, the host of the Growing Cubs podcast. The podcast is growing, but he's also talking about the prospects that are growing. He's our prospects expert. Greg, how you doing? What's up, guys? How's it going? I heard there was a big debut this weekend, so you guys wanted to chat about it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right? Kind of, I guess. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> what? Uh, Something like that. What did you think of Caleb Killian's first game, and what did you think of him uh, prior to that at the minor league level? Yeah, man, Caleb Killian is, is, has been so fun at the minor league level. And I think that he, he showcased a lot of what he's done at the minors in the majors in his debut for sure. So um, a lot of that, that cutter sinker, right? You're going to see just a lot of the cutter sinker as, as, as much as humanly possible from him. And that's pretty much what you saw in that debut. And I think that those two pitches are what we've seen from him as long as he's been a, a top prospect but it's some of the other offerings that you're hoping to see more of, more, more utilization of, I guess, for him to continue to improve a little bit. I mean, I thought it was, you know, was it a spectacular start, the first one? No, but it was certainly solid, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. except for the one inning, I, you know, Corey and uh, Brendan mentioned it. I thought what the most impressive thing, just like they did, was that he came back out and he got three more outs. He got a strikeout to finish it off, finished on a high note, didn't let that bother him that one inning, and I mean, I thought he—I thought he was real. The first three innings, he was cruising. Yeah, you know, I, that's when I thought, oh, this is going to be a spectacular outing, and then I settled back into, okay, it was solid, but I'll take solid. Yeah, he was just pumping, you know, upper ninety sinkers in that first yeah. inning, and just watching it from left field was 
I mean, it was like watching someone I hadn't watched in a while. Yeah, and apparently it, it, most anticipated, you know, prospect pitcher-wise for the Cubs in a long time. Uh, in my opinion, I think he delivered at least on, you know, the excitement that it brought. Yeah. Apparently the the crowd at Wrigley really enjoyed the strikeout of Yadier Molina. That's oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Ryan, don't He's make the my same hair stand as, up uh, like that. Ben Zobris now. Caleb yeah, Killing and Ben Zobris. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, him and Ben Zobers have something in um, common. I got a question, Greg. Yeah, what's up? And when you heard that Christopher Morrell was getting called up to the big leagues, did you expect him to set the world on fire the way he has? I Not offensively like this, for sure. Not offensively. I mean, because the thing with him getting called up to the bigs was, like, he had the defensive flexibility and the defensive abilities at, at different positions to be able to like hold his own out there. And, and my thinking was that was why he was called up because he could play third base. He could play center field. He could back up at shortstop if need be. And I, I felt like he could, he could get the job done as far as that's concerned. And then as far as the bat goes, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I figured he'd be up for a little bit and they'd be sent back down to triple a. But as you guys mentioned before, like he's, he's killing it out there. And I think that, that with him, he brings that presence in the clubhouse, in the dugout that we've seen and we've heard stories about since the day he debuted that guys like having him around. And if, there, if there's any tiebreakers, it goes to the guy that, that, that uh, the manager likes to have around for sure. But you're right, like offensively, I was not expecting this. I mean, I, I've watched him uh, hit the ball really, really hard year in and year out. Like we know the exit below numbers are crazy on Chris Morrell. Um, and we know that, that he can hit the ball a long ways but was not expecting uh, him to, to get on base this clip, was not expecting him to limit the strikeouts the way that he has to a certain degree. Um, and then drawing walks has always been an issue so far in his pro career. And he hasn't really, I mean, prior to 2021, he, the walk numbers were bad. Like not, not only just kind of like, all right, like they were really bad prior to 2021. So he showed the ability to walk a little bit more last year. And the fact that he's doing this at the big league level is kind of crazy to me. You're right. I mean, Cody, you mentioned, like the league is going to catch up at some point. Like the league will catch up in the next coming week, next few weeks. Um, and then it's again, just how do you adjust? So we, that's, that's the name of the game in major league baseball, you know? Yeah. Cause we saw it with say, you know, say came here, yeah. lit the world on fire, you know, I was an April rookie of the month. Mm-hmm. And then he had, a, he's had a rough, he had a rough May. He easily had a rough May. You can't really argue he didn't. And now he's hurt, but um, it, that rookie, cause he's still a rookie. That rookie adjustment came and then obviously it's up to you know Saya to bounce back. I don't think Chris Morrell has given us like maybe he's an outlier. Right? He hasn't. Like, I think historically we assume that some point of regression or some point of adjustment is coming, but he hasn't really given us a reason to like say that's with certainty, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I figure I still figure it's coming at some point here I, with him. To me, like I, I, I've never really projected him as as a regular starter in the major leagues, and I think that. You say that and you're like, oh, like he's just a bench guy. And I, I don't think he's necessarily that either. When, when you can play as many positions as he can and do them well, like you're going to get regular starts even if you're not a starter. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I've always pictured Christopher Morrell is just kind of a bench guy that still ends up starting three, maybe four times a week, depending on the, the, the time of the year, depending on, on injuries and stuff like that. So uh, that's still to me, that's where his value lies is that defensive flexibility, not the offensive. Anything offensive is, is icing on the cake. And we've had a lot of icing so far this year with them. <laughs> Maybe perhaps now we have to, we have to meme Chris Morrell. And I took that personally with, uh, the Jordan meme <laughs> with, if he's still doing this going yeah. into the all-star break. Well, I, uh, I, I heard David <laughs> Ross asked an interesting question about, like, do you prepare him for the inevitable failures and adjustments that come in Major League Baseball? Yep. And he was like, nope, there's enough failure in baseball. I don't need to say that. And I don't even want to put it in his head. Yeah. Who are we to say he's not going to go from what Greg was saying, this utility player, starting maybe three times a week to – something more than that he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't want to cap that and have that conversation with him he started out great and baseball's a funny sport the light goes off for some guys and the light comes on for some guys at strange times maybe that's the time for morell i we don't know it's way more likely that the scenario we're talking about that sooner or later the adjustment's going to come sure there's going to be some failure but we don't know this might be the guy so greg my question would be who else is down there in the farm system that might be the next guy to come up? Because 
We've all been surprised by Morrell. So now who might be the next guy to come back, come up and surprise us if that's, if that's the right word? Because I don't think Morrell is going anywhere. I know the Bodie decision's coming really quickly and some other roster moves will be happening, but I don't think Morrell's leaving the Cubs anytime soon. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've we've been, and we meaning all the prospect nerds out there, have been blessed with a lot of prospect debuts in the big leagues over the past few weeks. I mean, between Killian and Espinosa, Velasquez, I mean, a lot of guys, uh, Brandon Hughes. And so that leaves, there's not a whole lot of guys left over in like AAA that haven't already debuted and gotten some games in. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Cubs have been really, really good at developing relievers, both in terms of like the the guys, the veterans being brought in, taken to the pitch lab that we all talk about, you know, um, and develop that way or prospects. And that's kind of the next wave of guys here is, is more relievers. We've seen Brandon, seen Brandon Hughes. We've seen Ethan Roberts early on in the year, but next up, I mean, we've got Brian Hudson, who's doing really well in triple a, we've got Ben Leeper who's down there. Uh, Kane Eckert hasn't been quite as good as he was last year in triple a, but, uh, there's a lot of relievers that still have a chance to make an impact in Chicago. And that works out well with, Michael Givens is gone at the trade deadline. David Robertson is gone at the trade deadline. So there's going to be spots that need to be filled. And Brian Hudson and Ben Leeper, especially, those two guys are guys that can make an impact in Chicago this year. Uh, we've had this question up on the screen for a little bit from Tyler. Uh, I met him on the red line the other night. Shout out to you, man. Um, do you all think that Killian and will be back in the majors again before the trade deadline? Mm -hmm. uh, Greg, you might you might not. I, I wasn't really surprised that they sent him back down with two off days this week. I I suspect he'll be back before the trade deadline. But what do you, how how do you think the Cubs play this out? To me, it, it's injury or trade deadline, whichever comes first. I, I think that that whenever they can give him a permanent spot in the rotation, like I don't think he's coming back up without a permanent spot in the rotation. You know, and I, okay. I mean permanent meaning like the rest of the year, give another trial for the rest of the year. But uh, yeah, whether that's that's another guy, and we've seen plenty of injuries this year. So whether that's another guy going down or when Wade Miley and Drew Smiley are shipped out, or I mean, I guess they're they're both hurt right now. But uh, I guess the point is that once he gets a, a permanent spot, so that might be July before the deadline. It might be after the deadline. But my thinking is it's fun to think this way, but I, I think that once he's up, he's up for, for good. Ian Happ's a guy who benefited from going down to AAA for a little while. Uh, we saw Kyle Schwarber go through the same process. Is it possible we're going to see, you know, as these roster moves start to happen, that maybe Nick Madrigal could benefit from a little more time in the minor leagues, like a little more uh, work on some things? Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I mean, I, I Nick Nick Madrigal is an interesting case. I don't know. Like, I, to me, like his skill set, I, I don't see how he benefits a ton from going down to AAA. I know that people are because he's been bad. It's like, let's send him down to AAA. And I, I get that. I totally understand that. But I made the same argument back a few years ago with Albert Almora, where, like, his skill set, like, it, he makes a lot of contact. And because he makes a lot of contact, it's not always good contact. I don't know how, how you can improve that um, in AAA. I mean, you, 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 you can always work on specific things. You're less focused on winning baseball games. But, I mean, there, there's – it's not like a – the argument back in the day with, with Albert Amora was let's get him consistent playing time in AAA. I think that that's the same thing with Nick Madrigal. Let's get him consistent playing time and make sure that he's not hurting the major league team. But like, what, what are you hurting the major league team at this, at this point where like, if he's playing every day, like let's just let him get his work in as an everyday player in the majors. Like he he's shown that he's too good for AAA. So why send him back down at this point? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for like the, the development of players continues, especially, especially from the pitching standpoint. I'm all for like the continuing development of players once they reach the major leagues. But a guy like Madrigal, I don't think that profile fits the mold of like going back down to AAA and actually like improving who he is as a player. I'd agree just because like who else do you want to see play at second base right now for the Cubs uh, outside of Morrell who can play five different positions right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, David Bodie's coming back, but like he can play – he doesn't have to play second every time either. I, yeah. I think Madrigal is – I think a lot of his case, he's coming off that injury and, you know, he just got hurt again yeah. and he's just been back. He did have a two-hit night the other day. Again, we what, what we what the Cubs need to see and what we as fans need to see from Nick Madrigal is he needs to start shooting the ball down the lines or in the gaps because he's not going to hit homers and he's just, he's just never going to have the slug. 
But if he's ever going to have any extra ba- extra base hits, it's going to be in those gaps or in, you know, down the first and third base lines. And we've just seen a lot of ground balls a second. I mean, he's looked like Jason Hayward out there, man. Let's be real. From the right side of the <laughs> plate. From the right side of the plate, yeah. So he, he just has to start hitting the ball harder and not on the ground. And I thought the way that he had success with the White Sox was because he was shooting the ball the other way, into the gaps or down the line, and how he gets back into that form. I do think a lot of it has to do with just coming off the injury and not playing a lot last year. I know that's a bad excuse, but I, with where the Cubs are, and kind of like what Greg was saying with – like what? Like what's the point? Whenever th- this Cubs team is not really a contender at all, you might as well just keep giving him b- at bats up here and just let this, just ride it out the entire year. Hopefully, you know he finds he starts to find some success here soon. I, I thought I really did think after the two hit day the other over the weekend. I think it was one of the I think it was the first Saturday game. I could be completely wrong about that, but I do know he had a two hit game against the Cardinals this weekend with a walk, by the way, as well. I thought that might have been a great, you know, building block, you know, for future games. And it's just, again, it's just been really inconsistent. Yeah, the only thing I can see or why he might would get sent down is we talked about the roster crunch coming, Bodie's coming back. Like there's yeah. going to be a lot of mouths to feed up the middle. It's true. Shortstop, second base, because then you got Simmons, obviously Nico, VR is about to come back too. Um, which isn't like me saying, oh, these guys all need playing time, whatever. It's just that that's the reality of the situation. And so I could see because that would probably end up meaning that Madrigal wouldn't be playing every day and whatever slump is going on, he's not going to be able to work on those things every day. Then I could see it, okay, send him to AAA. He's not working on something specifically, but he's just getting every day at bats. Because I think, there's, I think, you know, one of those intangible things is that rhythm at the plate and playing every day and getting consistent at bats and just kind of finding your rhythm. And he kind of talked about like, uh, you know, when we talked to him when he got activated and just he wasn't in that rhythm, but it also like the, the back maybe had, you know, had its effect on that. Cause like even he was talking about like just the movement he does and like in, at the play, like during his stance, it just wasn't happening. And so maybe the back affected that a little bit. But we talk about the rhythm and is he a guy, he has options. Is he a guy that could go down to AAA and just play second base every day and hit every day for, you know, get four at bats a day, whatever it is? While these other guys like Simmons and Bodie and VR and you know take playing time at second base, like I mean, it, again, it's not an argument that any of them should be playing over Dick Magical. It's just like right. that's when I look at him. Like if there's a, a scenario where he does get sent down to Triple A, I, I that's how, why I feel it would happen. And the only problem with that thought is that eventually he's going to have to get used to not playing every day. Yeah. Like that may not be his role at the major league level. Like all these guys are kind of trying to find their way and if you're going to make it to the major league level you've got to somehow show that when it's your shot whatever day that is you've got to develop I was going to ask Greg you know we had the big news uh over the weekend as well with Brennan Davis and the injury between Brennan Davis and Ed Howard you know how tough is that hit just for the farm system in general and and what what do we expect now from Brennan Davis I mean I I know it's a different type of back thing they're talking about blood vessels and nerves and stuff and there was no structural damage but you still don't want to hear your top prospect have any kind of back surgery yeah that's that's tough I mean especially coming off a couple weeks after the Ed Howard like you mentioned him being out for the out for the year it's interesting though like I think with Brennan Davis and Ed Howard and looking at two season and season and well essentially season ending injuries is that like with I'm I'm much more concerned about the Ed Howard injury than I am the Brennan Davis injury with Brennan, like he he's already a guy that at 22 years old is up in AAA, you know, and he is so it's not like he is trying to like prove that he belongs in the upper minor or upper upper levels of the minors. He's already proven that he can go out there and get his numbers and get his stats and quickly quickly develop. I mean, if you if you look at Brennan Davis's like just build between two years ago and today, it's absurd. Like it, mm-hmm. it, he is a very quick developing player, and so like I'm I'm a little less concerned. I said it on, on the podcast, on, on our podcast that actually just dropped today, that with Brennan Davis, I, unless a crazy, crazy scenario happens, mostly involving Pete Crow Armstrong being insanely good, Brennan Davis still enters the 2023 season as my number one prospect in the system. And I, I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying that just because I'm, I'm far less concerned about his development because of the injury. I mean, he's a guy that, that we expected, that we kind of hoped that he might be the best outfielder in Chicago this year. Like, not not the best 
<laughs> not not a starting outfielder, like the best outfielder in Chicago. So uh, again, like I'm, I'm not too awful concerned about his development, his lost development this season. Like I said, I'm much more concerned about Ed Howard, a guy who's in the lower minors, who was a guy from Chicago drafted out of high school, uh, cold weather state guy. Like I'm much more concerned about Ed Howard's development and him performing offensively in the future rather than Brennan Davis, who's already proven how good he is. Yeah, I, I've been telling these guys since like before the season that we weren't going to see Brennan Davis before the All Star break. This is not this, this is not the <laughs> scenario that I envisioned. I, I yeah, I was just thinking solely just based on development and just how, what other players are on the big league club they want to get a look at. This wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> Dude, I mean, people are going to sleep on on Brendan Davis at this point. Like, now that he's missed this, he performed so poorly at the beginning part of the year because of the injury, right? And then he missed this the rest of the season. People are going to sleep on him entering 2023, and that that's fun to me. I mean, when a guy gets slept on and is going to go perform so well next year, like that's going to be fun seeing him perform as well as he as well as I know he can. Because, like, guys, I'm I, he is no joke. Brendan Davis, Brendan Davis is the truth. I'm not. Like, like, don't don't take it easy on him. Like, he is very, very good baseball player. So, have you pretty much reeled him out the rest of the season then, based off what uh, we know? Based off what we know, it sounds like that maybe we can get him in the Arizona Fall League after the year's over, and just to get some extra at bats. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to rule anything out. I guess from, yeah. from what I've heard, I don't know it anything about like backs and back surgery. So, like, the, <laughs> yeah. if if you know things about back surgery, Greg, you need to like I let mean, the people know, man. You know, I'm a back surgery expert, so that that's why you guys had had me on, right? Because I, I <laughs> exactly have like we, we yeah, need okay. we need the inside scoop. <laughs> surgeon on back Greg Huss. Yeah, surgeon yeah. Greg Huss. <laughs> right, well, go. I I got a question for Greg. This could be the start of our mailbag segment. But are you much of a gambling guy? I'm not much of a gambling guy. I'm not. No. Okay. Well, if you ever oh, change sorry, your mind, Cody especially. <laughs> if you ever change your mind and you enjoy us and you want to help us out, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all our web content including mine, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I guess the first one I want to ask you... Uh, we, so we go through our Discord. We have, we have a Discord uh, with members, and this is kind of where we throw our mailbag questions in. So if you want to get have your, uh, you know, your question read out in the mailbag, make sure you, know, you, just, you sign up at allchdo.com, get access to that Discord when we throw in these mailbag Monday stuff. You, and the hot lounge, to, too. And the hot yeah, lounge, hot yeah. lounge. We're still working uh, on those, uh, those robes, robes yeah. but, you know. Lure robes. We're yeah. working on it. We're so, working on it. So yes. our first one is from Dead Gecko. Uh, he asks... Does PCA make it to AAA this year? I know he just got uh, promoted to high A, so I I think I would say probably not, but uh, you're the prospect expert. So does PCA Talk make AAA it, this Greg. year? Talk me into it. Let's go. <laughs> there is no way. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no way. I, well, how high I can am, he go? I'm about, as, I'm about a, a hype man as possible on some of these prospects. If, if PCA makes it to AAA, he's the number one prospect in all of baseball, like all of baseball at that. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> No, I, I think that I think if he makes it to double A, it would be ridiculous. Like I think I think that we see him probably play the rest of the year in South Bend and High A because uh, I mean he's still only twenty years old. Like this is this is his first full season of of professional baseball. So uh, yeah, I there's there's no way he makes triple A. It would be absurd if he makes double A. And I'm here to watch it happen. I guess <laughs> you said you're a hype man. What is like your favorite thing or favorite aspect of his game when you watch him play? Like what 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 should people be looking out for when he does start making these jumps? Dude, it's it's like like the swagger with with PCA is through the roof. Like he, I mean, he's doing everything that we had hoped for when when coming into this year. Basically, I I had said that in order to be like a top fifty guy in all of baseball, he needs to either develop power or he needs to show he can continue to take walks at the plate. And if he can do both of those things, then like he's really like a top prospect in baseball, and he's done both of those things. So he's he's been a really ra- well-rounded player, but really like 
the thing that makes him so exciting to watch is just like the swagger he plays with on the field. Like he he walks around like he knows he's the best player on the field, and uh, it's it's fun it's fun to watch him. I mean, he is he's got the the speed. He's got he's got the power. He's got the speed to be the best in the national league. I guess I, he he is just he is fun, man. And and it's the it's the aggressiveness that he plays with too. You know, I mean. He's always extending singles to doubles if he gets a chance. I saw him. I saw him score on a, or I guess go first to third on a little dribbler in front of home plate. Like he is playing all out all the time. What uh, should we re, uh, be too excited about uh, Matt Swarmer? I mean, his two starts were both great. Oh, I mean, I know he's not not a top prospect, but again, just like Christopher Morrell, he's come up and done a nice job. And what can you tell us about Swarmer? Uh, that would just kind of add to what he's shown us in his resume the first two games. I, I really like that he could potentially be a, a reliever moving forward. I, I know mm-hmm. that, that Ryan, you you uh, collaborated with with uh, Brendan on your article about uh, Matt Swarmer recently, and the way that was kind of laid out was was did a really good really good job of doing that because the, the slider I think is terrific. I think the slider is is a next level pitch, and his willingness to continue to throw that slider and it, it's it's a very unique as you can read in the in the article very unique pitch in the way that it drops off the table. I mean, a lot more vertical or movement down than in his horizontal movement with that slider. And I, I just don't really see, I don't really see a guy being able to stick as a starting pitcher with only two, with only two pitches, you know, he's got that slider and, and really like the, the fastball is pit, is pretty pedestrian for the most part. I mean, low, low 90s fastball. So he's got the one really good pitch. I, I think I was listening to, um, to the compound with, with Ian Happ and, and Zach Short and Dakota Mekas. And I think it was Mekas that was mentioning that, like, the thing that makes Matt Swarmer so good is that he just throws the slider as many times as he possibly wants to. You know, and, like, a, as a batter, you're expecting if you get three straight sliders, like, you're not going to get another slider. But with, with Matt Swarmer, you can get, like, seven or eight straight sliders, and you still have to expect that coming at you next the next pitch too. And, like, that's what makes him good. And I think that that two-pitch mix can work in the bullpen – it's been fun to see him do what he's doing in the rotation so far. Like he just took, I mean, his performance these past two outings has been phenomenal. So, uh, but I, I think that I, I'm, I'm seeing him more hopefully as, as a reliever uh, down the line. If, if he can stick as a reliever, I think you take that every day of the week. Ross, Ross compared him to Aaron Harang, who he caught out in Cincinnati, who was mostly a two pitch <laughs> pitcher and had a, like 13 or 14 year career in the big league. So, yeah. um, but it was funny because when we, you know, Schwarmer's first strikeout, we were still in the dining room up in the press box and we saw it and we're like, like, was that a curveball? Like, is that a split? We were arguing about what it was. I don't know if anyone actually <laughs> thought it was a slider just because it just dropped. Like, no horizontal yeah. movement, at least it looked like. So, uh, that was kind of funny. Our, our next question is uh, from Rachel. She's in the chat too, but uh, she's out in the UK, our good friend. Uh, she asks if, if DJ Hers is shoving. When will we see him in Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, Rachel knows. Rachel knows that DJ Hers. I mean, he's he's just always shoving. Like he just will continue to do so as long as he's in a high A baseball. His his outing this last week was one of the best performances that I've seen from a starting pitcher during my time covering the minor leagues. Like it was it was outrageous. Uh, I think it was it ended up being twelve strikeouts, uh, and he 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 could be up in Double A right now. Like if he gets the call. Tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're we're doing this on a Monday, obviously, and a lot of the transactions happen on Tuesdays or, or get announced, I guess, Tuesday in preparation for the minor league week. And so, if we see DJ Hers in, in Double A come tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, and and at the very least, like he will be up there in the next month or so. So, uh, I'm I'm excited to see DJ Hers shove because like, he he is very clearly like very clearly way too good. And my thing with with guys getting called up to the next level is like you love to see them just dominating and putting up really good stats and stuff like that. But for me, it's when you can go out there and not have your best stuff and not look your best and still get a lot of outs. That's, that's when you are too good for the level, you know, and DJ hers very rarely does he not have his best stuff. Like he, he has his best stuff a lot, but the few times he hasn't, he's still been able to kind of bulldog mentality his way through it and, and, and get a lot of outs. So, uh, I, I'd like to see him continuing to go deeper into starts because right now he he throws a lot of pitches for not going a whole lot of innings. Um, he actually throws it's either the first or second most uh, pitches per plate appearance of any Cubs pitcher in the system this year. So he's throwing a lot of pitches. I'd like to see him go deeper in starts, but at some point, like you have to balance like 
him going deeper in starts or him dominating, like he deserves a call up to double A. You mentioned just like the guys getting called up and like succeeding, obviously. I mean, what do you think of Owen Casey, um, named minor league player of the month? It was kind of an aggressive like placement, right? At South Bend at this point, but I mean, yeah, what'd you, yeah. What, yeah, what have you seen from him? I mean, young dude that I know that it was, it was, were we going to see Owen Casey or PCA get start the year in, in, in high A? And, and Owen Casey was the guy that got that kind of aggressive promotion to start the year. And he looked, I mean, there's no other way around it. Like he looked really bad in the month of April. Like he, he looked bad. And for him to just completely flip the script and end up taking home the Cubs minor league uh, player, the player of the month award for May is like, we can't overstate how impressive that is um, from a, from a development standpoint, like that he was able to learn and pick up what these pitchers are doing that quickly that he can take home that award. It, it's pretty impressive. I mean, with Owen Casey, you're talking about a guy with arguably the best power in the entire system. Like he puts up stupid exit below numbers. His hands are so fa- his hands are so fast at the plate, and that that's that's what I'm I'm looking for with a guy who could potentially have really good power as he climbs ladders. Those hands, um, and for him to like like I said, for him to flip that script like that is like we can't we can't talk about that enough. <laughs> Yeah, and he's what? He's nineteen still. Like, not even gonna be twenty for another month or two. He's, like, he's a, yeah, he's, and, and he's he's one of the one like top five or I guess five youngest players in the Midwest League this year. So to start off the year, so like he was he was facing pitchers that were on average like three at least three years older than him. So that's that's a tough task, you know. Yeah. Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go, exactly. Yeah. And, and so coming from a cold like not a cold weather state, but coming from Canada, like he it's always tough on those guys to come into professional baseball where like they weren't playing baseball year round. And when they are, were playing year round, like they were playing in a warehouse, you know, like they're, they're practicing fly balls in a warehouse. It's like how, 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 like that's, that's not easy on your development as a, as a young kid. Hey, we had Fergie, we had Ryan Dempster, Owen Casey, the next great Canadian cup. We'll see if he ever gets to the size of like Rowan Wick or Tyler O'Neill. Those are huge. Like Tyler O'Neill's forearms are just like bigger than my quads. Like, so we'll see, we'll see if Casey's on his way for that. Uh, we got another one from Rachel. She said, given his recent performance, will we see Greg? I, I don't remember if it's Dykeman or Deekman. Will we see him come back anytime soon? He got, I want to say he got um, optioned, or not optioned, he got uh, DFA'd a couple months ago. I don't remember if he actually yeah. made it like to the season before. I think it was like during spring training when he got DFA'd and then got, you know, went to went to AAA. Um, yeah. is, is there a chance he comes up anytime soon? Yeah, I don't know. With, with him, that's with Dykeman, it's interesting because yeah, he did start the year on the 40-man roster in Iowa and just was – I mean, talk about a guy like Owen Casey that had a rough start to the year and has turned it on. Like, Dykeman is that guy. Uh, he's been hot the past week or so. I think he had a, a stretch of four home runs in five games, something like that, this past week. And uh, he was another guy that was not really not very good early on in the season and led to that being DFA'd. Uh, he's an older guy, like an older guy for a prospect, had a weird path of getting to the major leagues last year, uh, with him being, having the COVID year, uh, being an older draft pick anyways, and then missing some time and having to climb up the ladder, being rule five eligible really early, all that stuff. Like a lot of things going against Greg Dykeman. And so I I think that if he's getting called up back up to the bigs, it's because they feel confident that he can be DFA again and move back off the 40 man roster. And, And those guys... I mean, from outside of like a player's perspective, like from for the major league team, those guys have a lot of value and like guys that are good enough to like be on the back end of a roster, but feel conf- confident enough you can DFA them and get them back off the 40 man if need be. I mean, we saw that with like uh, PJ Higgins. We saw that with PJ Higgins uh, last year that he was he was off the 40 man roster, called back up, and now he's playing an important role on the on the major league team right now. So uh, that's where his value. That's I think I think that's where Dykeman's value lies is that he is on the fringes of the roster. Interesting. Yeah, that's and good. yeah, and and you mentioned the forty man. I think that's one of the things that just like the average fan just like doesn't understand how much maneuver. Like and you saw this week, just how much maneuvering has to go into yeah. all this stuff, especially when injuries are popping up, when guys are going on ten day instead of sixty day, like stuff like that. I mean, it's, so to get Greg Dykeman on the forty man would still like take one of those moves, and so I think that's another hurdle or obstacle that kind of would stand in the I way. I think there's plenty of guys that are that have passed Dykeman on the the pecking order, I guess. I mean, we've seen Velasquez up now and and I mean, he was a guy that was in high A when Dykeman was in Triple A and now he's kind of surpassed him, you know. So, uh he's he's fallen down the pecking order quite a bit, but uh at least he he's 
he's got that experience in the upper minors, and that that's valuable in, in itself. We got one more. Last one. one Here we more go. From, Fur- I, from Furious I Jeff. I actually have one, too. I have but one I, too. All right. Well, this is from Furious we'll Jeff. We'll stretch it just a little bit. <laughs> is Jordan Nwogu a guy? I don't think he is asking. I think he's asking, is he a good player? <laughs> he, is, he, he is a human being, yes. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Jordan Wogu is one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen. Like, he this like he was recruited to play football uh, in college. Like, he is a massive, massive human being. Uh, and he kind of has done this thing this past two years where last year he's in Myrtle Beach in low A and had, like, a god-awful first half of the year. And he was going through a lot of different swing changes because the swing was really, really ugly when he got drafted. A lot of like hitches in his swing and and the, the bottom half not communicating with, with his hands and like just really rough. After he went through those those mechanic changes, he like took off. He had one of the best second halves of the year last year. And then he did the same thing, not half wise, but he got off to a rough start and has really turned it on recently. And now he's like an above average uh, hitter overall for the course of the season. I think he can be a guy, especially because he's shown the ability to play some center field. Uh, when he was drafted, everyone just assumed DH and was hoping that he could play some left field. And now he's playing left field and even dabbling in some center field. And that that increases his value like exponentially in being able to play that position, even at all. Not even playing it like really well, but just being able to be played in center field. And with him, like if he can, I think the swing changes haven't quite been perfected up to this point, but if he can fix those swing changes, a little bit more like the power is tremendous. Like the power is really, really good just because he's such a huge dude. And I know that, that, I mean, he, he was a, he was another guy that was a, a cold weather state. Like he was, he was drafted out of Michigan, uh, Corey Freeman, your boys, uh, uh, alma mater over there. So uh, for him to, to come out of Michigan uh, should be interesting to see how he develops. He, he's a, he's a, should be an interesting case. He'll probably spend the rest of the year in South Bend, maybe dabble at the end of the year in double a, but once guys get up to double A, man, I, I, I've said this for a long time. Like once guys get up to double A, like, like all bets are off, you know? I mean, cause we see like Chris, Mor- Chris Morrell or Anderson Espinosa, like being called up to the bigs from double A. So uh, you want to see them succeed as much as possible in lower minors, because it doesn't matter if you're in double A or triple A, if you're, if you're hitting the ball, if you are, are playing really, really well, like you're just a call away from the bigs. All right, Cody, last question, because we don't want Greg to charge us double time here. <laughs> All right. Overtime. So Jack R. in the comments asked earlier, like, it's related to Wilson Contreras. He said, you know, if Contreras, you know, we, we think he's probably going to be on his way out. Who are some prospects out there that you think would be, that could be possible that come back for Contreras if that were to happen. Again, I don't support it, but if it were, <laughs> sell me on someone that I can be like, all right, I think that at least I'll be able to, you know, buy into it. Yeah, I can't give any, like, any specific uh, players. I mean, cause I, I'm my, my following of the Cubs system, like, I, I don't follow other systems as much as the Cubs, just enough that I can have some guys to compare the Cubs system to for the most part. Um, but I think that the way, the way Jed Hoyer, for better or worse, has been building out this organization through trades, uh, has actually been really, from a from a prospect guy's perspective, really impressive in the depth throughout the system. Right when we when la- the Cubs' last competitive window, everybody seemed to come up at the same time. We saw KB and Javi and. And all those guys coming up at the exact same Schwarber and everybody, it's the exact same time. The way the system has been built out the past couple of years here is that you should be seeing debuts every, like a few debuts every year, and some major debuts. We've seen Killian and Velasquez and Morel this year. We've seen we we will probably see next year Brennan Davis, and we'll see some of the Double A guys that are there this year, Chase Strumpf, guys like that. But then you know, like the Cubs, when the Jed Hoyer just went out and got all those teenagers in trades last year, like the, what we've been talking about forever, right? Like the Kevin Alcantara's and PCAs and guys like that. And there, to me, there's so much value in building an organization that way, as opposed to like banking on one season. Like, hey, 2024, we're gonna go all in for 2024. Okay, or you could just build an organization that is equipped to continue building year in and year out. Like what we've seen the Dodgers do. Dodgers always seem to come up with mm-hmm. new guys that they're calling up every that. year. Every Dodgers single Cardinals. year, man. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I, I guess a super roundabout way of answering Jack's question here, super roundabout way, is uh, <laughs> that I could see when they acquire talent for Wilson Contreras, when they do, more than likely. 
I don't think that there, because the way the system is built out right now, I don't think he's going to go and get five teenagers. I also don't think he's going to go get two major league ready players. I think he's going to kind of get a few guys on all the levels of the system because like there's not as many holes in any level of the system that need to be filled out right now. So I can't say any exact names. I, I mean, you're, you're, they're going to have a team is going to have to throw in a couple like top 100 type guys in order to get Wilson Contreras in a trade. I would imagine. Uh, but the Cubs have also done a good job. Like the trades they, they made last year, right? Like they, they didn't get a, a, a lot of top 100 guys at the time, but the scouting plays were huge. Like PCA had only played like six professional games when they acquired him. Uh, Kevin Alcantara had only played in the Arizona uh, Summer League. There's guys like, uh, like Daniel Palencia was acquired, and he had played very, 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 very few professional games. So it's like scouting is so, so important that you're not just banking on, like, if the Cubs don't get three top 100 guys, it doesn't mean the trade's a bust. It just means that, like, it might be a scouting play from the front office. Good stuff. Yeah, Greg, that's the way you avoid the full rebuild again. Yes, Maybe it's yes. just, you know – one guy gets traded next time, and you continue to have that success with a farm system that's built top to bottom. So, Greg, awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Out of the Vines, or you can download his podcast. He is the host of the Growing Cubs podcast. Greg Huss, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate you having me on. You guys all take care. Uh, take you care, too. Man. And thanks for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Don't forget to use that promo code CHGO to get your risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Orioles in town. Yankees in town. Get ready for some games against the Orioles and the Yankees. What's the East Coast? East yeah, Coast. it's going to be East Coast. Yeah. Rizzo's return. Uh, can't wait to be heard by return? Rizzo this weekend. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, by the way, Jack, our uh, Ross said that uh, just extra rest for Kyle Hendricks, so that's why extra rest. Uh, he's not pitching in Baltimore. But yeah, also, we didn't ask Greg about Max Bain because we don't need to. He's He shoves. I know he's struggling right now, <laughs> but he shoves, and we're going to see him at Wrigley one we day. We also didn't talk about Patrick Wisdom's knob, but maybe for another day. No, that's what I was one thinking. Day that's we're another, going to talk that's about Patrick show. Wisdom's the knob. knob is another I show. Day. I look forward to the day we talk about Patrick <laughs> Wisdom's knob, guys. All right. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Until then, fly the W.